Nick, 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 From Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Hector Navarro, and welcome to the first episode of Season 2 of the podcast. We are so excited to be back, and we have an amazing season ahead with so many inspiring guests. And to kick it off, my guest today is the self-proclaimed voice of your childhood with iconic characters like Dill Pickles from the Rugrats, Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls, Batgirl and Harley Quinn from various DC animated shows and movies, Raven from Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go!, Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and of course, the luckiest kid in the world. Timmy Turner from the Fairly Odd Parents, plus Baby Poof. Oh my gosh, I literally had to take a breath in the middle of that. No one can dispute that she's hardcore. So let's hurry up and talk to Tara Strong. Tara, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, This is an absolute thrill for me. Uh, When did you know that you wanted to work in animation? Well, unlike some of my cohorts, I didn't really. I yeah. knew when I was four or five years old that I wanted to be singer, dancer, actress. I knew that I would perform for my class. I would perform all the time for my parents. I begged them to get me an agent. They didn't really know much about it. We were in Toronto. And um, so by the time I was 13, when I finally did get an agent, my first things that I booked were an on-camera show with Mr. T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the voice of Hello Kitty and um, the music man at a local uh, dinner theater. So, and in Canada, I really worked pretty evenly. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I was good at animation by nature, so I was working a lot in animation. But I also did um, a sitcom and plenty of film and TV mm-hmm. and other theater. I went through Second City there. And in L.A., it's sort of, um, I find that Hollywood has a way of going, oh, that's the commercial actor, that's the soap actor, that's the film actor, that's the voice actor, that's the stage actor, which is silly because people that work a lot obviously work a lot because they're versatile and they're talented. (laughs) So not that I'm complaining, I have a beautiful life, but (laughs) I did not know when I was younger that my primary Mm -hmm. um, acting gigs would be in animation. But Mm -hmm. I feel very lucky because so much fun like really yeah. i get paid to be silly <laughs> most most days you know yeah. i mean my husband's in real estate and it's so stressful and he comes home and tells me <laughs> these stories i'm like i like my job better <laughs> i just get paid to be silly <laughs> what kind of cartoons and animation were you watching as a kid what did you love well i'd have to say my number one favorite was the flintstones i loved the jetsons mm-hmm. I loved a show called Wait Till Your Father Gets Home. I, uh, Did you I, get that oh, year? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. absolutely. Because a lot of people I, don't know that show, but yeah, I love that show. Yeah, Wait Till Your Father so Gets, Wait Till Your Father, father gets, gets, Wait Till, till Your Father Gets Home. home right? Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. that was like an early family guy. It like was. It was like not oh, quite totally. risky enough, but it was on the way. We're calling Seth out. That is just <laughs> straight up, that's the proto family guy. No, it was great. We got, I got reruns of that, and oh. I grew up loving all that Hanna-Barbera stuff as well, and that was a definitely yeah. like a very 70s and animated sitcom and i love the smurfs yeah were you doing remember. were you doing voices at that age when you're watching stuff on tv and, and well maybe when i was 13 because <laughs> when i was 13 i did kitty which of course i watched mm-hmm. my family owned a toy store and a candy store and the whole basement was this area called chuchkaland and my parents were the first to import hello kitty merchandise into canada and the whole basement was hello kitty and my melody and twinkle stars and all the different characters and wow um my dad used to dress up in like the hello kitty 
costume and get people on the street to come in. So it was so crazy that when I was 13, I booked this role. Wait, so. this was all before yeah. you booked Hello Kitty? Uh-huh, I was like five That's or six years old. crazy. Isn't that weird? That's so weird. I have pictures of my dad outside. The store's called, the store's called The Wiz. It the was kind of famous with kids back then because they'd go and stock up before going away to camp. It was like a lot of little candies that they'd put in. Cool. But, and then you had Batgirl comics as a little girl and as a kid comics. and then eventually be, I mean, that's some, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Don't you find like when you look back, it's like your life is a puzzle mm-hmm. and some pieces aren't that pretty, but they all need to go in to get you to where you are here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Would your young self have believed you if you went back in time right now and was like, this is what you're going to do? I always knew that I was going to be successful in this business. I always knew that I was going to move to L.A., even as a little girl, because it was like my dream to do a movie of the week. And when you're acting in Toronto, or at least when I was, I haven't been in a long time, I always felt like the leads would be given to the American actors and they'd give the little roles to the Canadians. And it was like frustrating. And pretty soon after I moved here, I booked a a really good role on Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. And we got to go to Italy and Australia. (laughs) So that was really fun. But... um, I I knew that young that I would be living in LA and that I would be a successful actress. And it's funny because my mother-in-law, who's an astrologer, I adore her. She gave me the movie The Secret. And it's all about the laws of attraction. And I'm like, what is this? Because it's like the worst acting beats ever. But the messages are so good. And I was like watching it. I'm like, wow, I do so much of that by nature. Like I always pictured myself. I never worry about money. I don't like talking about money. People are like, oh, you must have made so much on Rugrats. And I'm like, I have no idea. They're like, really? Yeah, Yeah, really. I don't... I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. I, I'm so fortunate that I get paid to do what I love. Yeah. And that's where I come from. It's all just like loving what I do. And I think that brings in more of it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I I never had a backup plan. (laughs) I think it's lucky too, because when kids aren't sure what they want to do, and certainly so many people are great at a bunch of different things, it's harder to pick one. And then you're like, did I pick the right one? And any of my friends growing up that weren't sure, and you know, some of them switching careers even now, it's like, I feel very fortunate that I knew that young. That's what I wanted to do. Absolutely. I mean, that's what college is for, for regular people. Right. To figure that out. (laughs) And you just bypass that. You're like, nah, I've been doing, uh, I was Hello Kitty when I'm 13. I'm good. I got it. I actually did bypass it because I went to New York when I was graduating high school. And I got into the American Music and Dramatic Arts Academy. And I was really excited to go to New York. And then I got my course outlines. And I was like, wow, I, you know, it was like the beginnings of singing. And I'm sure it's a wonderful school, but I'd already been doing so much of that by nature. I mean, you know, as a little girl. And mm-hmm. then at the same time, I booked three films in Kent that were shooting in Toronto. I'm like, hmm, do I go start at the beginning here? Or do I do this great movie with Angelica Houston? Yeah. So the career won. Yep. <laughs> Which is good. It's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Back to uh, Hello Kitty for a second. You were 13 years old. Do you remember what your reaction was when you heard you got the part when, when somebody told you? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I grew up with the toys. And actually, my favorite toy was my Melody. <clears throat> Just strictly from a little girl, that one's cuter standpoint. <laughs> I loved that character. And I actually booked my Melody. I didn't book Kitty. And the very first day, Marsha Goodman, who's like a goddess in this industry she gave me that job and um we were in the session and on the very first day we were running lines and stuff and they switched us so they made me kitty and they made the girl that was playing kitty be melody (laughs) it was horrible for her i honestly didn't really care i was happy to be in the show and i loved that character but her voice wasn't what they had envisioned for you know when it came time to do it and she would sit there at sessions (laughs) Not joking. I mean, we were kids, but she'd put her hair in front of her face like this and stare at me and go, <laughs> and just like stick out her tongue, like growl at me. I'm like, I'm so sorry. But 
remember those moments pretty wow. clearly. I mean, we ended up having a fun time and being fine, but yeah. I'm sure that was heartbreaking. But yeah, um, so yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> What is the typical reaction from kids who may not know your face, who may not know you, when they find out that the voice of their favorite character is coming out of this woman? What's the typical reaction? It's really a mixed bag. Like sometimes (laughs) little kids don't get it and they just kind of look at you or sometimes they say, oh, that's a really good impression. You sound just like her. (laughs) And then sometimes I'll get little kids that really get it. Oh, was it fun to voice that? And, you know, they're four or five years old. I'm like, oh, they understand. Like one time I was getting my nails done and this girl... My girl knew that I was in the sequel to The Mermaid, and this other girl that frequented, she was like the biggest fan of that movie. And she said, oh, this is Tara. She's the voice of of Melody. Melody and she said, yeah. well, what was it like to work with the sea witch? And this girl was like, she looked to me like nine-ish. Yeah. And I said, well, I didn't get to meet her because in features we usually work alone. And she's like, yeah, you did in the cave. <laughs> I was like, oh, um, she was really mean. <laughs> yeah. Don't break the reality. Don't break the reality. Yeah. That's so, great. <laughs> you never know. But sometimes it, it makes like little boys like not so happy that like, wait, Ben 10 and Timmy Turner is a girl. Oh, that's the best. Mom. Like, <laughs> But that my son's best. friends are really happy about it. Like That's they just great. drive my kids nuts. Like, can your mom do this and do that and do that? And yeah, you know they want to know what's going on in the new seasons of shows. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what's going to happen. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, what has it been like to see your kids? You've talked about how how you know you, they got to an age where they knew what, they understood what you did, and then they got to an age where they're pointing out your voice and stuff that they didn't know yeah. you were in, which is a lot yeah, of fun for you. That's fun. What is it like uh, to to see your kids? I grow mean, up my and... kids grew up here. They've been around this world since birth. Yeah. And they certainly knew what I did at a young age. And sometimes they liked it and sometimes they didn't. But as they get older and they gravitate towards shows that they like and then find that I'm on it, that gets them really excited. Uh, Like Family Guy. Like I come in, my kid's crying. He's laughing so hard. He's like, Mommy, you were just all the kids in one scene in Family Guy. (laughs) Yeah, when they like things that I do. Yeah. You know, a while ago when Injustice came out, Aiden's like, I killed you ten times today. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Okay. Well, how was your day? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Back to... Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea for a second. Okay. Why was it such a big deal that you got to voice Melody in that movie? Well, I don't know what little girl didn't want to be the Little Mermaid when that came out. <laughs> and in my bedroom in Toronto where I grew up, there's still that poster on that wall. No way. I was the biggest Mermaid fan, yeah. <laughs> and so originally when I was working on it, it was to um, do what they call a guide track, which means they'll bring in a voiceover artist and they're going to offer it to a celebrity and mm-hmm. they just want to hear how it's all going to play out and blah 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 and it's always good to do that because you never know sometimes they'll be like you know what we just love her so much we're going to keep her and so that happened on um little mermaid 2 and when i got to sing with jody benson i mean when i met her i burst into tears she was like are you okay and I'm like i've just loved you for so long and she was very gracious and we had so much fun and i actually think it's such a beautiful movie it's so yeah. clever that they switched the positions of yes. her wanting to be in the water and the songs were really cute and sometimes kids at conventions will cry and say oh my god melody you know like i said got me through my yeah depression or my parents divorce or whatever we've talked to a lot of uh, incredible talents and and legends in voice acting uh on the show and uh one thing i love is is a guy like tom kenny is so passionate about this industry and he geeks out about stuff all the time and i'm like that's the type of people that that i think fans want to be working in this thing so the fact that you were such a huge fan and uh you know i'm sure that there are people listening right now like oh she also gets excited too about yeah yeah. i mean when i was in the booth with hamill and conroy i mean i when i was little like 
I collected Batgirl comics. Yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> so to be with them, I was like pinching myself. And yeah. even even today when I'm with them, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm the luckiest girl ever. And when we did the killing joke, I'm like, oh my God, like that's such a great comic. <laughs> yeah. Totally geeking out. I actually dressed as Barbara from the comic for the Comic-Con You um, did? What, what, which, for which costume? Was it Batgirl? I just wore was it Bar- Batgirls. You know, she had the red sort of shoulder length yeah. wig in the, and I wore like a hot dress, of course. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm a fan of all of it too. Mm-hmm. which is fun the fans are certainly bigger fans like they know everything right but if I don't remember something it's like they'll know it well, but like it's so funny they'll be like do you remember in this episode or can you say the line from this or whatever I'm like you do it first because yeah. I know they'll remember <laughs> if I don't remember that's so great I don't necessarily get to watch everything I do and some of the things they're talking about I did you know 10 years ago and I work every day so it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> unless it's a catchphrase that my character says all the time right. I'll probably forget it <laughs> Bubbles may be the cutest cartoon voice of all time. Um, where did that voice come from? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you yeah. on that. Um, <laughs> well, of course, Craig McCracken's drawings were ridiculous and adorable. And whenever you have an audition for a show, they'll give you drawings and maybe a show Bible, a brief description of the characters. And you, as the voice actor, have to try to think what they want that piece of paper to come to life and sound like. And I think her description was that. It's just like she's the cutest person ever. And um, I think Craig and I connected right away. And um, then sort of her bubbles-isms evolved as the character. We really, you know, some shows are very collaborative, and we grew these characters together. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when Bubbles says, Oh, can I have a picky? Like, picky. Why does she say it like that? I have no idea. Or like when she's talking to squirrels, and she says, I can talk to squirrels. And, you know, Tom's like, do you have to put your fingers up to your cheeks when you talk to squirrels? I'm like, um, yes. <laughs> so, like, things just, you know, as the if you watch, you know, episode 100 from episode one of any show, you'll see such yeah. a growth in the characters and the drawing and the voices. And Bubbles is just one of those very near and dear to my heart that... um I do agree with you. She's um, just adorable. And she always won, like, when they took polls for who's the favorite and the cutest. It was oh, always come Bubbles. On. It's Bubbles every time. I love <laughs> love Blossom, love Buttercup. They're so great. But you got to go with Bubbles. You got to go uh, with Bubbles. I remember Dill Pickles being such a huge deal in my childhood life that, like, oh, Tommy's getting a baby brother. Like, I remember it being such this, like, event, like, this massive, like, my parents See, had, like, the, it was so smart. Because they it was said, so we want to go from series to feature. We need yeah. something big. And yeah. they did baby. And by the way, that was another thing that I guide-tracked. And they originally wanted to offer it to Madonna. <laughs> and so I came in the booth, and I do this wailing cry. And they stop tape. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I think I just moved here from Toronto. I'm like, I've yeah. <laughs> angered, yeah. you know, classy too, but what did I do? And they're like, Tara, there's a new mom in there, and you made her lactate. <laughs> no way. So I was like, okay, this job's mine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I think we're done here. I don't think we can come up with a better story than that. <laughs> Fairly 
Really Odd Parents is just a modern classic, which is so great. Been around for forever, and your voices to me is one of the most classic examples of that sort of surprise of, oh, that's a grown woman doing that little boy's <laughs> voice? Mm-hmm. What a great little boy voice. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so great. Thank I don't you. know if I had a question there. I'm literally just gushing at you this point. You just wanted to hear Timmy talk. I think I, I did. I wish Cosmo and Wanda were here. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much fun doing that show, and I think yeah. that's why it's so successful. Like, sometimes... As the voice actor, you'll do these sessions that, mm-hmm. you know, they have you up to a four-hour window to do a show. And some sessions will take that long, and they go on and on. And sometimes there's many, many cooks in the kitchen saying, can you try this way and 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 this way? And I guarantee you, if you're dealing with a legacy voice actor, you're going to get the first, between the first and the third are going to be right, unless there's something we don't know in the action. Like, if it says, whoa, and you see a hot guy or you're falling off a cliff, that's two different sounds. Right, <laughs> so, right. So, I, you know, those sessions sometimes for me are frustrating because creatively and organically, I'm like, well, now I'm doing it like you. And I'm never mean or rude, but sometimes it just weighs on you creatively. Yeah. And Fairly Odd Parents is one of those shows that you just get to go and play. And Butch is so great at the helm. Like, we do a full show in, I don't know, 45 minutes. He's like, glad you guys worked hard today. Yeah. And we put pages side by side and we just get through them and we're bouncing off each other and playing off each other. And it's always funny and sharp. And I think that show could go on for another it- hundred years. Absolutely could. It absolutely could. Guys, there's only one way for me to avoid summer school. I wish everyone was stupider than me. I don't know, sport. This wish could be... I know, dangerous, irresponsible, regrettable, blah, blah, blah. Just wave the wand, woman. I'm not getting any younger or smarter. And then we get to Raven. That's another iconic, like, from Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go. And what I love about the character of Raven is that you initially thought you were going to be Starfire, right? Somebody- well, because the character description, like I told you, it said she's a grown-up Bubbles. And I'm like, yeah. well, I'm a grown-up bubble, so that's probably a no-brainer. So you're like, but I'm going to do Starfire. the kiss of death. Like, ask yeah. any voice actor if they say we want it to be like Tom Kenny. He will not book it. That doesn't make any sense. That's <laughs> We're looking so... for a Tara Strong, E.G. Daily type. We will not book that. I guarantee you. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> Very weird. The other thing I love about Raven is that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you auditioned for it, and then you came up with an idea afterwards for yeah. Raven's mm-hmm. voice. And then... Well, because at the time I was doing Batgirl. Mm-hmm. I was doing Kylie from Extreme Ghostbusters. And one other part that was very like dark, sort of tragic, young girl and mm-hmm. when I did it I thought this probably sounds very similar to Batgirl and why would they do that because it's the same network and then as I was leaving I, I said to Andrea Romano I said can I just try one more thing I just have this other idea yeah. and they didn't know what I was going to do and she said sure and I just thought if she had this role with everything she said it would kind of be unique and it's very easy on my voice and they loved it so much and that's another one that people come visit and they're like you're working hard Tara because Raven <laughs> never gets excited like even when there's fighting she's like whatever <laughs> so, that's yeah. so great. but it's good yeah and that was that's really been sort of exaggerated in the best way for Teen Titans Go you know <laughs> the original Teen Titans was a little bit more sort of dramatic I yeah, guess and a, lot more sh- dramatic. a lot more dramatic <laughs> I mean yeah you had unfinished storylines and all that stuff um, yeah. but oh my god the fans are so mad that we never <laughs> got to the next season and actually creatively I understand it I wanted to know what was going to happen sure. with Trigon and everything but um, I think the thing that I love about Titans is that they kept the same cast and like I said before when you create a role it feels like a child like it feels like you created this entity that people love and when they recast for whatever reason if it's like it doesn't make sense then it's very heartbreaking for for the actor and so with Titans at least they kept us all together and we still have the same rapport we still have so much fun together we genuinely genuinely love each other and yes this one's silly but 
you know what, maybe in a couple of years they'll do another one. And I said to the producers, I would do, you know, Titans on Ice. I mean, I'd have to learn how to <laughs> twirl, but, <laughs> you know, like at least they're keeping us together. And, and I think sometimes studios underestimate the fans and how much they love their voices. So when something's ca- recast, they're like, what's going on? And they flip out. And a lot of the times I can't even say anything because I work for these networks. So I'm going to go, well, that was not very nice, but, yeah. you know. You mentioned a little bit ago legacy characters. For people that don't know what that means, what that term is, what does that mean, legacy characters? Well, for me, it means these iconic roles that everybody loves already or becomes, you know, a huge hit that people, like, love. Like, Mm -hmm. people love the Powerpuff Girls. People love Harley. They love Batgirl. They love, you know, Timmy and Raven and all these characters in Twilight. It's like, wow, there's all these characters that people really love and relate to. And I feel so honored that I've had the opportunity to play these characters and to touch so many lives. I mean, when you go to these conventions and people are crying and, you know, my the craziest was this guy came over. He's this gorgeous African-American guy, Mm -hmm. huge guy, Mm -hmm. huge, strong. I just want to thank you for my childhood. My parents' divorce was, well, without you. And he keeled over and fainted at my table. (gasps) Wow. Oh my gosh, are you okay? But he was so, and I get criers a lot and people that are like, wow. And you don't realize, like I said about my predecessors, like how much you really touch these people and help them. And every character that I've done is relatable to someone or at least another character on that show is. And it's been so nice to be a part of that and to give people a place to go. Because I think a lot of people when they're bullied or they're feeling isolated that's a horrible feeling when you think you're the only one that thinks that way or feels that way and so animation is this great world where you can be any color you can be any you know age or body type or whatever and there's someone that relates to that hey you're supposed to spring into action why aren't you springing because this is all a lie it's not real what's my motivation that's your motivation those are real fictional people in real fictional danger you may be right i am right no No more more doubts doubts. no more doubts no more distractions we now return to all my parents offsprings Ooh, my soap fine if you won't stop the bronze kneecap i will you have taken over for Harley Quinn mm-hmm. from uh, the great Arlene Sorkin. It was yeah. fantastic. And you worked with Arlene when you were Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel a pressure when you take over for a character, when you when you oh did take over for Harley? Oh, my God, yes. So, Talk you know, it. I was talking about how when you get replaced and how hurtful it is. Yeah. So the first thing we do as conscientious voice actors is we make sure it wasn't a money thing. You're not making mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars like people think. Right. And so when there's a dispute over money, it's usually pretty fair when an actor's asking for a little bit more. So yeah. we always find out if that's the case. It was not the case with Harley. And in fact, they had brought her in to do um, a pregame or something like that. And the creators really wanted something completely different. Yeah. And so for me, I was nervous because I adore her and I loved working alongside of her. And mm-hmm. um, also, I know how iconic her voice is and this character that was created for her and all the fans that love her. And I was terrified to step into those shoes. Yeah. And at the session, I... I was talking to them about it, and they said, we do not want you to do an impression of Arlene. This is not Arlene. If we wanted that, we would have her. We want it different. We want it crazy highs and those want crazy things like this. Yeah. And Arlene, to her credit, was so gracious on, on uh, in an interview. She said that when she had met me, she thought I was so talented, and she said to her husband, if anyone ever would to take over, I would like it to be her, Aww. which I thought was so gracious and yeah. sweet. And so it's wonderful to have her support. And then when the first game came out for the fans to be so supportive, I was 
terrified. Yeah. And even still, when I go do it, I feel very lucky. And Harley can be vocally taxing. But I always get really excited. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, wait, I get to scream for four hours. Yeah. Harley done. Yeah. It's like that moment where I get to take out all my frustrations <laughs> and just be crazy. Therapy. It's therapeutic. <laughs> really? Yeah. Harley is so therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is some deep down darkness and insanity and chaos and everything that you can bring out. And, and I think people love that just like undying yeah. love that she'll do anything for this horrible I person. And, <laughs> I know. It's yeah. so funny because horrible character. Horrible. But when it's Mark Hamill, like... <laughs> so lovable so like right? we all love mark we're like oh we want we root so for you guys good. Like, <laughs> I, I i remember just watching him and really being so impressed with how good he is yeah often there'll be a big on-camera celebrity come in and they're not good or they get very nervous because it's a different medium yeah and he just got it from the start and was so so incredible at it and i just was like blown away and he does he makes it so lovable he's yeah. so damn adorable it's like you listen we shouldn't be rooting for the joker and and harley <laughs> but, how can you not? but we're rooting it's for the joker like it's mark it's mark tara exactly yeah. we had lauren faust on the show she's amazing she's the best um and the fan community around my little pony friendship is magic is one of the best and most positive that exists, I think, in in history, ever, ever <laughs> yeah. and all of time. Yeah. Uh, do you remember where you were when you first heard the word brony and what your reaction was? I think I was on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Really? Yeah. And I never thought anything that's weird. It was surprising, but it was never like, that's weird. Right. When I get that from people, I'm like, well, why is that weird? Well, it's a show for girls. Well, you know, Lauren, who created it, worked on Powerpuff Girls, and there right. was certainly a lot of crossover there. And I get why maybe people thinking the earlier versions were to sell toys and strictly for girls yeah. or whatever. But this show really... and. Even if it is, but other people are watching and it's making them happy. Like, I meet hot army bronies that have, like, Pinkie Pie tattoos and they paint stuff on their tanks to get them through really hard stuff in Afghanistan. Yeah. And it just gives them, like, a brain break. Yeah. And it's such a big, big fandom. It goes from little kids to old people. It goes, you know, for people on the spectrum to people that are, you know, rocket scientists, literally. <laughs> like It's yeah. like this huge, you know, a community of everybody and they're so supportive and so sweet. I don't know if you saw it, my last con that I did, my last brony con that I did um, about six months ago, this girl emailed my agent and said, um, my sister's in really bad shape. She's mm -hmm. attempted to kill herself and she's being bullied horribly for liking My Little Pony. Is there anything you can get Tara to do? She's her yeah. favorite. So I, she's actually in a hospital. She, so it's not like I could phone her, but I did a, an MP3 in my, I have a home studio and I emailed mm -hmm. it to her saying, you know, from Twilight that bullies are nonsense and, you know, when you grow up, the nerdiest kids are your studio execs, so just ignore <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> like I was doing stuff like that. And it made her very happy. And then about three months later, I checked on her and she said, she's doing really badly and i said get her to BronyCon, and yeah. they are in brussels and she's yeah. like i can't afford that and i said put together a gofundme yeah and so then the hospital said they wouldn't release her without her mom but she wouldn't go without the sister yeah. so we had to raise enough for three tickets which we did so easily one fan <laughs> one fan donated nine hundred dollars the rest of them wow. donated all this money and so the first time i met her was at the Terra strong panel which I don't know, there was like 4,000 people at this panel. Yeah. And I said, before I start, 
I really want to thank you all for bringing out my good friend Emma and her family, and I'd like to call her on stage. Yeah. And her sister warned me that she was very fragile. I've never seen anyone this fragile. She got on stage and was like violently shaking when I hugged her. And I said, look at the love from all these people, and they were cheering for her, and she was crying. And like I said, when you're isolated, that's when the bullying can happen. Yeah. And now they keep in touch with her, and her mom said to me that the fact that you checked on her a couple months later showed her that you weren't just doing it for attention or for whatever. I, there was nothing I did for attention, but the next day she sat with me. I had her sit with me to sign autographs, and my line was five hours. And she's like, "All these people have to wait five hours, and I get to be with you." I'm like, "Cause you're my friend." And people were asking her for her autograph. Yeah. And they all embraced her, and people were coming over, like some of these hot army dudes, and they're yeah. like, "Just so you know, I was bullied at your age too, and don't let them win." And it was so wonderful. I mean, that community to me is just. I love them so much. That's amazing. I'm <laughs> tearing up over here. That was a beautiful story. That's yeah. so great. That yeah. is the the uh, epitome of of what animation and cartoons can mean for people. You know, you said brain break, and right. it's like at its worst, it's a little brain break. That's all it is, right? right? And at its best, it's what you just described, which is this incredible humanity yeah. that you would think wouldn't be available in other parts of the world, and everybody rallied around her. I thought yeah. that was that was fantastic. It was That's wonderful. great. You've been doing this since you were a kid, Mm -hmm. literally since you were a child, and you have seen the past, especially 10, 15 years, where popular culture has taken over, where your guys' social media is very important, where your presence is very important, but you guys get that love from the internet. And you've talked about how before voice actors didn't really know Mm-hmm. That they that anybody cared about them or yeah, what they did. Right. How would our predecessors know how much they meant to people? Exactly. What has that been like? Well, it's so rewarding and um, touching at times and scary at times and really nice at times. I've raised over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on my Twitter for various kids with cancer that I know personally. So it's like I like getting behind ones that I know are real. I get yeah. tweeted all the time. Can you you know tweet this GoFundMe? It's like boy wants a new car. <laughs> no. Yeah. But when I know the person and I know it's a valid story, I certainly like helping out. So that's been super powerful. And it's not just the money, it's the community. Like um, this little girl who my son... Um, my son and the sister were very good friends and the little one would come over all the time. She was the cutest little bug. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she has a brain tumor. And it was just so devastating. She was five years old and they were able to try absolutely everything from mes- Western medicine to homeopathic to you know food and oxygen tanks because of my fans. Yeah. But it wasn't just the donations. It was them wishing him well, the father, as they'd go into surgeries every day from all over the world. People were like, we're with you. We love you. Here's a virtual hug. And even people that couldn't donate were doing that. And that meant to the world to him. So fans are really, really sweet. And a lot of the bullying that's been going on that I've helped facilitate peace and, you know, just teaching people to ignore it or block people. I've got one girl that's actually like afraid to block people because she's worried that would have some effect. And I'm like, I block people all the time. (laughs) You say something (laughs) off color to me or to a group of people or anything. It's like, bye. You have to. Yeah. yeah. So even with within that sort of world of the internet, I feel like the past few years have really been interesting to see how people have been rejecting bullying. People rallying around communities and really standing up for one another, I think has been great. So I love that uh, that, that has been so positive. On the actor side, have you encountered 
companies sort of asking for you to have a presence on social media to, to sort of help with promotion? Or was that something that you took to yourself? Because you're so good. You're so hilarious. I'm really you're, good. You have, you're really good. You're like the gold standard. You have a great time. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's totally you. It's your it's your personality. It's your voice. But is there a side of the industry that, that sort of expects and asks that? Or is that something that was all you? You know, I've never felt that it was an expectation, but I certainly feel like um, studios appreciate it. So if there's a game coming out, they'll very graciously say, do you mind tweeting that the game's coming out? Or do you mind tweeting yeah. that your episode's on tonight? Or even, you know, something I wasn't in, they filmed an episode of The Muppet Show at my house. And it was so much fun for me because the guy playing Gonzo, I'm like, oh my God, you're Gonzo. And he goes, oh my God, you're Tara Strong. <laughs> and he was a fan of mine, which was like, threw me everywhere. And wow. Miss Piggy was there. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, it was Scooter. Yeah. It was Scooter and Piggy. And um, they asked, would you tweet it tonight? And, sure. you know, when you have like 300,000 followers as a voiceover performer, it's really, really special, and it's like so nice. And I really don't mind promoting stuff and yeah. um, talking to the fans about it, and answering questions here and there, and engaging with them. And people often ask me who does your social media, <laughs> and I just happen to be good at. It. I actually feel bad for some of my friends. They're like, "Can you help me? Or how do you do it? Or who do I hire?" And I'm like, "I don't know." I, I sometimes I write stuff. I'm like, "Why did I put that?" And then it's like retweeted ten thousand times, and people like it. So I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'm doing something." Great. That is the sign of good social media <laughs> yeah. use. Is when someone's like, "Who is your team?" Team of writers. Yeah. <laughs> you must have a team of Hollywood writers right. in a room somewhere cranking away, and you're like, it's yeah. just me. I'm just, it's I'm on a Sunday afternoon. I'm just having a good time. <laughs> I am uh, from San Diego. I'm born and raised in San Diego, and I've been going to Comic Con since I was a kid, and I've seen it again explode into what it is today. Yeah. And you have been acting since you were a kid. You've been voice acting since you were a kid. What has it been like to be a part of that sort of comic book? community and then I feel like that community is, is sort of turned into the bronies community the, the the communities of each you know fan base of your cartoons have all sort of been lumped into this huge massive pop culture thing what has that been like to be a part of that world well when I first started going to comic-con it was definitely I mean it was still kind of big but much smaller and it's really grown and when you see like people like the office and different on-camera shows that have nothing to do with comics yeah <laughs> But you know what? I embrace it all because the fans love seeing their celebrities and the celebrities come out. And most celebrities I know, myself included, we love meeting people that say, you know, you meant you helped me get through my parents' divorce or it was so great to have yeah. you. You know, like that kind of stuff is so nice. And to see the fandoms grow has been amazing. The Bronies are like the most unbelievable fandom in the world. There's, they're actually the ones that raise the most for the kids with yeah. cancer. And this year, you know, I stole Comic-Con. I don't know if you saw that, but I dressed you, as Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah. You, you stole it, <laughs> ran away with it. It is officially yours. That I was mean, incredible. <gasps> was that, th that wasn't the first time that you've done cosplay, but was that the first time you did Harley Quinn? Yeah. So I did one cosplay as Twilight and I surprised the fans at a, at a pony convention. And then this time I had a girl make it for me on Etsy and she was really excited, but I didn't have an occasion to wear it for a long time. So I think she thought I just wasn't going to wear it. Mm -hmm. And actually I hadn't even tried it on, but I had this Comic-Con was like my busiest. I had to go down Wednesday night. I had stuff Thursday morning, Friday, Saturday, <sighs> every Sunday, every single day. And so I just decided to take it and I thought maybe I'll do it at the um, DC Girls panel but I was really debating because DC Girls is a show for younger girls and this show is not that costume mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
I was like, hi. And then I get a call um, from the people that I just did another video game for as Harley. And they said, would you mind surprising the fans and releasing the game at the con? I'm like, oh, I don't mind. I'll be there at six. (laughs) And I was so excited. And my girlfriend helped me get into it. And I started walking to the con. And normally, you know, when Tara Strong goes from her hotel to the con, it's like, can I get a picture of Tara Strong? My kids are always like, mom, because it's like everybody knows who I am. There were like, Tom Kenny once said this. It's like at Comic-Con, it's like an alternate universe where we're (laughs) stars and we really matter. So normally I can't go anywhere. But this time I was just one of the people cosplaying and people wanted to take my picture just because it was a great costume. Oh, that's the best. My favorite is like one guy that's like, excuse me, Harley's my absolute favorite. Can I please take your picture? You're my 14th Harley today. Yeah. (laughs) And I pose like this and I'm like, okay, Putin, but am I your favorite? And he goes... I don't know. I've seen a lot of good ones. <laughs> and he walked away. <laughs> like, I can't wait for him to go home and, like, you know, make his phone bigger and go, oh. And there was another family that, like, they're a cosplay family. Yeah. And the daughter was dressed as Harley. So I said, can you guys, can you take a picture with her? So I said, sure. And then the other daughter was dressed as Raven. And I said, do you know who I am? And she's like, no. And I said, Azerath, Metrion, Zinthos. And she's like, well, I know who I am. <laughs> I was like, oh, these people have no idea. And I happened to be with Jamie Thomason, who's like one of the biggest voice directors. And he goes, y'all know she voices all of you yeah. in your family, right? <laughs> so that was good. You're all dressing up as her all at the same time as this one woman right here. Oh. Tara, do you miss your characters or do you just like hang out with them every day? <laughs> the characters in my head? The characters in your head, yeah. The ones that may not be on a show at this moment right now in time. But do you just spend time with them all day in your head? (laughs) Well, I will say you can ask any of my friends. I do voices all the time. (laughs) Because sometimes it's helpful. Yeah. Right? Like, you can say, can I please have the money back that you owe me? It's better than just asking for it. I gotta give you some. some, I I feel like I owe you some money right now. I'm reaching for my wallet. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I do characters all the time. Um, I don't know that I miss them because I get to do them all the time. Do I miss characters that I've been replaced on? Yes. (laughs) And and you talk with that bubbles voice to your pets all the time, and that's the best pet Mm -hmm. speaking voice ever. And I feel like even when I talk to animals, I think I sound like bubbles, but I don't. But I'm trying to achieve a bubbles, and it's not happening. So (laughs) they inspire you, though, right? Animals inspire you to do that. I always tell people like practice on your animals i mean i did even before i knew his voiceover i would give every animal and stuffed animal a voice and do different things and drive my poor sister crazy beautiful perfect tara this was so much fun thank you so much for coming in uh we barely scratched the surface you have such an amazing approach to your career and your fans and enthusiasm and i want to thank you again so much for coming in and thank you for everything that you've done thank you for having me and i think you're just There it is, guys. Our incredible conversation with the amazing Tara Strong. That was so much fun. Tara literally has supernatural voice acting abilities that can invoke physiological changes in human beings. All right. So thanks so much for listening to the podcast and sharing and subscribing and liking. If you guys would do us a solid, go ahead and leave a comment wherever you're getting your podcasts from. It helps us out. Be sure to go to nickanimationpodcast.com for a bunch of great behind the scenes stuff, including a pic of Tara and I from today. She's the best. Thanks to the awesome crew 
who puts this podcast together. This podcast is produced by Jonathan Highlander, Dana Vasquez Eberhardt, Kelly Smith, Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures. This week's episode edited by Jonathan Highlander, Ryan McFadden. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians, Sammy Armager, David Watson. And thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Manny Gralva. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. Thank you.